the Biden administration is sending cluster munitions over to Ukraine, which has caused quite a bit of controversy here back at the States. We're going to talk about whether or not it's a good idea for Biden to send these munitions over to Ukraine here in a moment. My name is Desmond Price. I'm the host of the Independent Thought Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, John Cooper of Counterpoint Politics. And our guest for this segment here is TJ from TikTok from the account Power is Taken, Not Given. So we're going to jump right into this here. This happened a few days back where the Biden administration decided to send over cluster munitions to Ukraine after saying for months and months they were not going to do it. This is out of a CNN article where it says that Biden is making a difficult decision, but that they needed them. So he told CNN last week that it was a difficult decision to provide Ukraine with cluster munitions for the first time, but that he was ultimately convinced to send the controversial weapons because Kyiv needed ammunition in his counteroffensive against Russia. Now, the White House announced Friday that the president had approved the transfer of cluster munitions to Ukraine, which is the latest instance where U.S. has provided Kyiv with the weapons it initially resisted to start the war. Now, this article out of Axios is showing that there is a bipartisan push in Congress to deny Ukraine cluster bombs. The lawmakers in both parties are mounting what they're calling a long shot effort to block the Biden administration to send these cluster munitions to Ukraine to assist in repelling Russians' evasion. Now, there is an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act to ban the transfer of cluster munitions. This is being co-sponsored by Representative Sarah Jacobs in California and Ilhan Omar and Republicans Matt Gase and Anna Luna, both out of Florida. In the Senate side, Cory Booker and Chris Murphy said they sent a letter to the White House pushing back against the plan. And Bernie Sanders said, I you know, strongly oppose sending cluster munitions and as that he suspects there will be an effort in the Senate to block the NDAA. Now, Ilhan Omar went on to Twitter to say specifically that these munitions are illegal under international law. They scatter multiple bombs over a wide area and that innocent people have been killed by them even 50 years after the Vietnam War. So for those who might not be aware exactly what these bombs do, these munitions, as was noted earlier, they are considered to be illegal in over 100 different countries. Back in 1997, there was a, a convention that was brought together. Over 100 countries got together. They said they will not use these munitions. These bombs, essentially what happens is when they get shot off, they essentially shoot a bunch of little mini grenades all over the place. And the problem is that these grenades sometimes don't detonate. And so you have these live grenades that are just essentially scattered throughout these battlefields. And the battlefield in question is the whole country of Ukraine, where there's civilians everywhere. And so the issue is, will a bunch of civilians end up being killed by these grenades when someone eventually comes across them? Now, the New York Times has said recently that around 50% of deaths from cluster munitions are actually from civilians. So here's the question that I have. And, I, and a little bit of extra context here. Russia has been using these cluster munitions in the war in Ukraine themselves. So we are supporting Ukraine in this war currently. And they are invaded by a country, Russia, who is also using these munitions and trying to fight the stave off their lands. And we are engaged in helping this country. Is it okay for us to kind of give fault to Ukraine for asking for these munitions and for Biden for providing them, given the fact that they're facing an enemy who's using them themselves? Like, John, what do you think about this issue? I think it's like kind of a weird gray area where I could go different. Like, like, I mean, fundamentally, principally, 
no, I'm nonviolent. I think that, you know, it, we should be minimizing deaths, let alone civilian deaths, and cluster bombs are not that. Um, you know, there, there's no way you could argue that cluster bombs are a minimization of danger. However, there's a little part of me that also goes, well, these cluster bombs are being used by Ukraine in Ukraine. Maybe Ukraine can make its own decision about that. I, I side with, you know, it's it's morally wrong, you know, just on, on its face. But there is a little part of it where it's like, it's not like they're using this offensively. If they feel they really need this to repel an invasion, I do think there might be a utilitarian argument for it. Um, but again, I, I'm not an expert in munitions. I'm not an expert in, in, you know, what these bombs do. I do know that even in the utilitarian argument, you're basically sacrificing your own, not just now, but for, you know, potentially generations to come, you know, with, with these, we, we've all seen what like landmines have done in Europe from World War II and how, you know, there's still a danger. So, you know, if this is equivalent to that, it does seem like a, a very risky move that a country that has been, saying they're winning, which I, I think we are all kind of in agreement that they've done better than anyone ever expected them to, would ask for such a rash, you know, weaponization if they aren't in desperate need, if that makes sense. It's just kind of a confusing move all around. Uh, TJ, I know that you probably have a little bit more experience with this type of thing than I do. Um, what are your thoughts here? Well, uh, despite the act, the uh, allegations, I have never fired a cluster bomb at any point. Well, I, 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 I know, I know zero. So I just assume you know. If you played a little bit more Call of Duty than me, you probably know more. Uh, no, so, uh, but the answer, uh, well, my answer to the question doesn't put forward as to uh, can I understand Ukraine asking for the weapons? Yes, I yeah. absolutely can because. Uh, I, I, I talk about sometimes when we look at historical events uh, and uprisings and people will critique the actions of the individuals who, who uh, engage in the uprising. And I always like to say that, listen, when if you're fighting a battle or any type of altercation, especially a civilizational one in which you genuinely believe that your family and your friends and your loved ones could die and your entire society could collapse. You would be amazed what you would do. You would be, I mean, like you, you would. I mean, that's that. So I do understand why they asked uh, for it. I, I do. Now, I don't believe that we should give them. I don't. Uh, because, uh, you know, as John mentioned, the, the, the moral <laughs> aspects of this and also the logistical ones, when you mentioned how Ukraine has put up a very good fight, we have been, you know, supplying them. As, as, as I think, I don't have a problem with us supplying Ukraine either, especially since. You know, we made a deal with them to get rid of their nuclear weapons uh, and yeah. uh, in exchange, we would offer defense for them, uh, which is a little more complex, too, because Ukraine had nuclear weapons, but they didn't have the scientists to actually store them and keep them uh, from degrading. So it benefited Ukraine, too. But we did say we would uh, help. So uh, helping out Ukraine and I don't have an issue with that, but with the with you know, cluster bombs and everything. We all we all agreed this was a bad thing when we watched Iron Man 1. Like we, we all made this, this we, we all figured out like, oh, this isn't cool because, you know, uh, what uh, Desmond, you mentioned when the bombs are released, they release, they're called bomblets, which is, yeah. you know, adorable, an adorable name for something so, so awful. <laughs> but uh, yeah. they, uh, they don't always detonate. It's, so you have these uh, unexploded ordinances that could stay, like you mentioned, for decades. So the question you have to ask yourself, well, two questions. One, do you think it's possible 
to uh, to uh, withstand the Russian invasion with contemporary weapons that are uh, not against the law? I think the answer is yes. I don't think that anyone could say that, oh, it's impossible to accomplish this task without making the use of these uh, you know, illegal weapons. And the second question you have to ask is, okay, if you want to incorporate these weapons, how many children decades from now are you willing to kill with these weapons? Because that is exactly what you're doing. There, there is a, a dud rate that the, that the bomblets have. And my favorite part of the story was that uh, Biden uh, came forward and said, okay, well, we're sending them new cluster bombs with a lower dud rate. So basically what he's saying is that, yeah, we're fine with killing fewer children in the future. That's that's what we're right. going, to be, going here. Uh, isn't that but, such a isn't that such a representation of the Democratic Party ethos of it is we're we're killing children, but less than the other guys. So we're the good guys. <laughs> you know, it, it it really is a conflicting position to be in. You know, because I mean, if you're putting yourself in the position of Ukraine, right? Like you are you're a Ukrainian soldier. You're seeing your home be destroyed by a Russian army. Um, entire cities are being leveled. I mean, we've heard about the atrocious things happen in Eastern Ukraine. And on one end, you're probably just thinking, just give me whatever I can have in order to defend my territory, defend my home from this invading force. But at the same time, we have to ask ourselves as Americans, since we are su supplying these munitions, like, what does that say about us? Like, where do you draw that line? I mean, will we send, are we going to send them drones? Are we going to send them F-16s? Are we going to send them nuclear warheads? I mean, like, like where, where does that line get drawn when, it, when we talk about how much aid we're going to give Ukraine? Because as we mentioned before, over a hundred nations, including an ally like the UK, who's been incredibly hawkish throughout this entire process, right? Like they've been more gung-ho about, you know, uh, about aiding Ukraine than even we have. But even they are against sending cluster bombs. And so like, it's one of those things that were, I don't think there's a simplistic answer to it. I know for me, just individually here, I would not feel comfortable sending these munitions over there. But I also, you know, personally think that we need to be reevaluating our stance on supporting Ukraine, I think until the end, because it does seem as though their counteroffensive really isn't working as well as they thought it was going to. And now we're kind of like, you know, like diminishing our own stockpile of munitions back here in America, which you know, is just going to in turn just have the Defense Department asking for an even larger budget next year. We all know where that's going to go. So I, I don't know. I, I think it might be time to kind of reevaluate our stance on the war in Ukraine and how much like how much is enough when it comes to supporting this country in this war, because this could go on for years before this is all said and done. Yeah, uh, having strings strings attached to it makes uh, makes a whole lot of sense. But I think you hit the nail on the head talking about the uh, you know the the self licking ice cream cone we have with the you know military industrial complex. That yeah, the issue is that you know we don't pay contractors to make weapons that will not be used. They will be used, and yeah. like yeah, that's that's kind of uh, the problem that we keep running into here. That despite the morality and even the practicality, uh, the money means a lot more. Yeah, I mean, you using another hammer analogy, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And yeah. that is the only like explanation of this that that I can just like colloquially see, because it it's as you mentioned, if other ally nations like this is not a war being fought on a battlefield like it is. But genuinely, this is a political war. This is this is 
the only chance Ukraine has is for the international community to be on their side. And even from the American standpoint, and you start talking about geopolitics with the U.S. dollar against BRICS and everything, like we absolutely need the international community to be supporting Ukraine or else we cannot support Ukraine. And so like any move that would endanger that seems needlessly reckless. And the only way I can explain that is either A, the situation on the ground is way more desperate than we thought it was, or B, the military hawks who infest our government are just like, oh, well, we got these cluster bombs and I've been dying to use them. I know it's a you know a breach of international law, but maybe this is a good opportunity to do it. I'm a hammer. I see a nail. And like that, that does make, that does explain a lot of, you yeah. know, U.S. military policy to me. So I do lean in that direction. But yeah, I mean, should we continue? I think first, I'm going to kind of disagree with you, Desmond, a little bit here. I think you have to continue this war until it's over um, or there is an international consensus to unilaterally force a negotiation on Ukraine's part. Like, like I don't think it would be necessarily smart to just be like, OK, let Russia win. Um, it's just like, what was the whole fucking point if that was going to be our game plan? You know, well, that's that's a very good question. What is the point here? Because (laughs) it's always a great question. (laughs) Are we are we fighting Russia or not? Because like we're trying to find this weird middle ground where, you know, we're we're handing people the weapons to fight in our stead and pretending we're not fighting. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And so if that's what we're doing, commit to it, do it. And uh, and, you know, you know, and as you mentioned, like getting help in the international community, that's going to be, you know, uh, a priority because it's in their interest, too. So, yeah, it's it's like I hate to sound like, you know, some guy talking about how the Vietnam War was lost and we didn't want to win it. Like I unironically mean that about Ukraine, though, because, you know, we're, we're like you said, we, we can't do this forever. This this is this is in no one's best interest, including the Ukrainians that we say we care about to keep this, you know, dragging on forever. So. You know, decide to fight Russia or not. What are you doing? Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, I kind of like that was the point I was going to kind of get to is that I feel like we're approaching a all in or all out point where, like, I'm not saying I will never advocate for putting troops on the ground and oh, no, fighting no, nuclear no. power. But I didn't mean we're that. to the no. point where, no, no, yeah. Um, but I'm saying, like, getting the point where, okay, yeah, no, just send the drones over, send our, like, just legions of tanks we have in storage and just, like, let them have it. And if they can't get it, okay, you're going to have to negotiate now because we got no more for you. Like, I feel like that would be a fine stance to take, but I would need the support of the international community on that. And exactly. by the, I mean the Western international community. Yeah, the, the, the yeah. ones that, yeah, we, uh, we associate with, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> it feels kind of like the same, you know, attitude we saw with Afghanistan, right? after a while it's like you know like why are we still here you know like what is the object you know like you know have we defeated al-qaeda have we defeated the taliban have we defeated isis and after a while you're asking yourself like if you pull out now you know like was it all worth it but eventually it, you do have to ask yourself a question of is like what does victory even look like and yes, can, it, can, want- can it be achieved you know can ukraine actually take back the Donbass regions can they take back crimea do they even have the capability to do so so, you know, I, I think it's it's one of those things that I think needs a broader debate. And right now what we have is just a continuous like carousel of aid packages that we're sending again and again and again without actually defining what it is that actually looks like victory over there. Well, Desmond, the one the one thing I want to kind of I don't know push back on a little with what you said, not necessarily saying you're wrong, but the, the big key distinction between Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam is that 
in those conflicts, we were yeah. the invaders. We were the bad guys. In this conflict, the in- another country is being invaded and we are helping them defend themselves. And so I do feel like if we're going to put 20 years into being the invaders, yeah, l- logically, we should put, I don't know, a century into defending. <laughs> you know, like, like, like I, and again, we, should, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't have put 20 years into being the invaders. But I do think there is a distinct difference between those two things. Right. And I, I see your I see your distinct difference. The only thing that I'm countering here is that it is regardless of like invader or defending, it is still military assets and money allocated to a global conflict. And mm-hmm. so there has to be at least you know, back home, since they're trying to justify all this money that they're sending across, and they're going to say this is an endless supply of cash that we can send to them and that we can't use here. They have to justify to us what the end game is, you know, yeah, because it's not just as simple as like, we're going to defend Ukraine until the end. Well, that's great if there wasn't like taxpayer dollars attached to it. That could yeah. be used for housing. That could be used for healthcare. That could be used for schools back here in America that we're not having to help these people. And I'm not saying Ukraine's cause isn't righteous. I mean, if we were in Ukraine, I would want to be fighting too. But the situation isn't as binary as that. You know, you have to think about how mm-hmm. it's also affecting us back here. So I think we deserve to know what the plan is that's fair yeah i agree yeah. goal in mind like that's not a lot to ask <laughs> yeah but you know kind of just to end this this conversation uh jake tapper recently had on uh representative barbara lee who is running for senate in california right now and he asked her about her stance on sending cluster munitions over to ukraine and i wanted to play that video for y'all as we end this discussion right here Cluster bombs uh, should never be used. Uh, That's crossing a line. Uh, Once you uh, see what takes place, we know what takes place in terms of cluster bombs uh, being very dangerous to civilians. Uh, They don't always immediately explode. Uh, Children can step on them. That's a line we should not cross. So when Putin started using cluster bombs, uh, the Biden White House said uh, that that would potentially be a war crime. Do you think that, therefore, the U.S. government, the Biden administration, will potentially be engaging in war crimes if this goes forward? What I think is that uh, we are, would risk losing our moral leadership. Because when you look at the fact that over 120 countries um, have uh, signed the uh, convention on uh, cluster munitions saying they should never be used, they should never be used.